0: Welcome back to the Mind of Monty podcast. As we are here to talk about the G1 climax, thirty-three, night ten. As we uh, get into or basically catch C and D block up with uh, A and B because they are, you know, behind. It took a couple days. took a couple of days off in between the last show and this one uh, here on July thirtieth. And uh, you know, the way I'm going to try to do this one is I'm kind of going to do it similar to the way I did the last three days. In one pod, I'm probably gonna, you know, focus on today and then do August 1st. I mean, let August 1st and August 2nd take place, which will catch everyone up, and then basically will be one some of the last block matches, or at least uh, setting us up for the last two block matches, I believe, or at least yeah, yeah, I think it's the last two block matches that will be getting set up as as we go into August, but honestly uh it's been thank you guys if you've been listening to this entire time it's been really cool to be able to do this really the best it's kind of crazy that the show is uh that I've been able to do the most podcasts not only the most podcasts I've been able to do in general if you guys been listening a long time you know the g1 really re- reinvigorates me when it comes to talking wrestling and uh especially rev- doing this show and reviewing the g1 but uh, I've never been able to be on top of it to this extent, putting out a podcast uh, pretty much every chance I get and being on top of the shows to where I'm basically watching them the day it happens. So I've been putting in a lot of hard work and uh, I just appreciate anyone who's been out there listening and uh, people who've been watching along with me uh, also. If you haven't, this is a great reference. If you're, if you're coming back and this has been months after the G1, you can always use these podcasts to follow the G1 or at least pick out some of your favorite matches or matches that you want to go revisit for yourself. You know, have no problem doing that. There's been so, so many great matches in the G1 every year that it's almost impossible to really keep up with. Uh, and I think, like I said, I'm proud of myself to be able to keep up with it to this to this point. So if you've been listening also keeping up, Shout out to you, man, because you, uh, <laughs> you've been doing an awesome job. Anyway, the first match here we, uh, we're talking about from the July 30th from 19, that I would, that's what I'm going to go ahead and call it, 19. Uh, the first match of the evening saw 3-1 David Finley take on 1-3 and Hanare. And, uh you know, again, this was a pretty cool match, especially if you've been watching a while and you know basically where these two guys are how far they've come just in the New Japan system, you know. Not to see them both in like a more mature or at least – I'm not going to say the final stage because who knows where either guy goes as a character in the future. But it's kind of cool to see them and how they've evolved from where they were, who they were. You know, a few years ago you had Toa Hanare. Or, you know, even as Aaron Hanare when he first joined the United Empire, he wasn't quite who he is now. Uh, He's definitely – I think this G1 has just been another chapter in that book that is Hanare. Going forward, is he still on the come up? And the same thing goes with David Finley, as we talked about in in great lengths. I think a lot of people have mentioned, probably by now, you know, now is the leader of of the Bullet Club and the you know the leader of the War Dogs and someone who's uh introducing a brand new era into that faction and uh, has been also awesome in his new incarnation. Now as never open champion, so. Uh, this was a pretty cool match when you think about uh when you if you've been watching just to see how far these guys come, see where they are now. But there's a lot of physicality, a lot of body blows. Uh, it was a not, you know which is basically the when it comes to striking, you pretty much know what to expect from a Hanari match if you watch a couple of them. Uh, but uh you know again, uh he hit a Berserker Bomb, they got a two count, and he also hit a rugby kick. But uh Finley uh reversed the rampage with a DDT. And uh, he tried, uh, you know, Hanare tried to hit a knee, uh, but uh, Finley hurls him into the ring post. And, you know, that's when he said the X, you know, you did the knee pad removal, X marks the spot, time for oblivion. Uh, but, you know, but Hanare, of course, hit hard as always. Uh, he knocks Finley down to the canvas. Then he hits a knee and a rampage uh, trying to, you know, set up the finish. But uh, even though Honoria seemed like he was uh, on his way to Streets of Rage, Finley got out of it. Hit Oblivion for the win. Ain't no, ain't no kicking out of the former of the former Trash Panda. So yeah, man, uh, pretty cool match. It wasn't wasn't anything, wasn't like uh, anything like special. I wouldn't say that it was special, but it was cool again for someone like me who's been able to watch them evolve into who they are now. To watch these incarnations of them be able to fight. And Hanari still have yet to beat Finley in any – it doesn't matter what type of David Finley it is. Hanari hasn't been able to beat him yet. But as you saw in this match at times, Hanari definitely came close. And he's on the rise. Even though he's not winning in these matches, uh, it's still cool, again, to see someone who – like Hanari, uh, him and Finley were fighting for the C block. The C block wasn't even a thing a few years back. It was just A and B block. And they <laughs> made up the fact that they were going to have a C block uh you know final basically between Hanare <laughs> and dave finley at the end of the tour uh so it's so cool when you think about where they both are now and you know, just to see that they are both prominent members uh and, and important members going forward i think for new japan uh but eddie Kingston also in in uh i think this is c block right yeah eddie kingston did, eddie kingston also in c block the murderous roadblock as they call it a bunch of tough bastards really and he fought a tough bastard in this one, Mikey Nichols. Uh, Nichols poked the bear, man. I think that's what ended up costing Mikey. You know, he slapped him in early in the face, and he kind of just was talking mess to Eddie the entire match, basically telling him, he, well, he, i said basically, but he really literally told him, you ain't shit. So, there you go. Uh, but, of course, the Mad King uh, hit, like, a, a couple of nice moves, the Fisherman's Screw, a DDT, uh, he missed the spinning backfist at first, uh, but Nichols, you know, doing what he does back the DT himself, you know, elbow shots while also continuing to poke the bear. And then again, after a barrage of suplexes and a sliding D kind of, you know, elbow strike, I mean, forearm strike kind of like uh, that we see from Kyrie often, but, you know, uh, Matt King hit that backfist, and it was pretty much it, man, you know, uh, was, that was it. Knocked him out with the spinning backfist. Cool match, man, very physical. What I've come to expect from uh, Mikey in this context, uh, you know, same thing with Eddie. I guess, you know, if you know even one thing, it's going to be uh, very, very physical. But, yeah, it was kind of cool to see Mikey Nichols poke the bear, slap slap Eddie in the face and see, you know, uh, Eddie kind of battle back from that disrespect. This is, I haven't really seen him in that spot. No one's taking taken that route with Eddie quite yet. So it was a cool little twist here to this match. Uh, But Eddie Kingston, I would say predictably because Mikey hasn't really won much. But uh, he's always uh, had pretty good showings, especially from a physical standpoint because he's such a physical wrestler. Uh, But, uh, yeah, man, uh, a good good win for Eddie Kingston as he stays pace in the block. Evil had a a quick start against Ishii, as always. Uh, You know, they have beef. Ishii and Evil uh, have a long-standing uh, rivalry that was even in the L.I.J. days. Evil had his trouble with e, uh, with Ishii, and you know he joined Bullet Club and started screwing uh, Ishii, and he's been doing better as of late. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, Ishii of course responded as he always do by bringing the fight. And, you know, he building steam, uh, but of course, whenever the guy is beating the hell out of Evil, it is time for Dick Togo to get involved. And uh, you know, but Evil used the chair. He missed his swing. I don't know if that was planned. I've never seen him miss the uh, he hitting the home run with the chair spot that he does all the time. Uh, but he did throw him into the ring post that definitely did damage to the neck. Uh, Ishii, of course, never stopping, decides to suplex his way into the suplex his way back into the match. Uh, but again, as Evil things look desperate, Dick Togo will come back. Another interference, uh, down referee. Uh, of course, you hear a bunch of booze, They get a magic killer, but uh, Ishii kicks out. Uh, things look very tough for Ishii, but uh, but he, he I think he shoved Evil into the turnbuckle, uh, and then he uh, he beat the mess out of Evil for a while there, man. He s- sent the chair flung in by Dick Togo into Dick Togo, uh, and then he larried it, uh, a chair right through the face of Evil, which was cool. Uh, even though he had to sell his arm, that kind of thought he could get the pin but he couldn't, and then he got hit with Darkness Falls. The crowd was completely behind Ishii. Again, one of the funnest matches that Evil has had in this tournament, by the way, uh, by far, because that's just what Ishii does. He's going to give you a a hell of an entertaining contest, no matter who he's in there with, even with Ishii's shenanigans. I mean, even with Evil's shenanigans, Ishii's going to perform. He tried to go for his brain buster, Ishii did. Uh, but, of course, another ref bump or another kind of like pulled into the fray ref so you can't see. And then Dick Togo took uh, Ishii to Dick Kick City, as Brian Zane would say. And, yeah, man, evil hit everything is evil and, you know, how that go? So, yeah, man, uh, <laughs> as good as that was. By the way, I love the Ishii reversal. Everything is Ishii turning up, uh, doing basically doing evil's move to Ishii was really, really cool. Uh, But yeah, man, this was a a very, very cool contest, kind of predictable result if you pretty much know what Ishii's all about now, I mean, what Evil's all about now, but it was probably the best Ishii match, I mean, Evil and Ishii, I'm not going to say the best Ishii match, best Ishii match by far, is at the Kingston, but the best Evil match in this tournament, I think, was with Ishii here. It was really, really cool, you know, I really enjoyed it. Uh, The top C-block match for tonight would be Tama Tonga versus Shingo Takagi. And, uh, you know, they they started off with fast strikes. Tama, uh, you know, actually tackled Shingo early in the match. Uh, But, of course, Shingo responded with Lariat. Uh, For a while, you know, Shingo had control there. And, uh, you know, again, Tama Tango hit a drop kick to kind of get the momentum back on his side. But every time it seemed like Tama would make a good move, Takagi would return with a good move for himself. Uh, You know, Tama saw the dragon neck snap on the ground. Uh, after uh, a modified gun stun. Uh but, you know, all he could do after that time was try to s- stop, you know, uh, you know, uh Shingo's advance. But of course Tama would not stop him. Uh you know, Tama would bring on the offense himself. Uh again, but after Taka- after Takagi finally worked his way back and in- I need to stop I need to just say Shingo instead of instead of trying to say Takagi uh and Tama I'm getting tongue twisted. <laughs> But you know, after Shingo worked his way back into it with slams and strikes, uh, also that nice superplex with around halfway to go left in the match. Uh, you know, he it was a nice powerbomb counter of Villano. Uh, the ground cobra was stretched uh, well, Tama out pretty much. Uh, he wanted made in Japan, but Tama would not let him do that. Got rolled through, nice sharpshooter reversal there. Uh, you know he hit the supreme flow with for a nice impact at around the 15 minute mark. He tried to go for the gunstone, but uh, he was spiked with an sto midair. So that was a cool spot with Shingo. Uh, also doing a tiger driver 98, dropping Tama right on his head. Man, it was a really really good match around there, around 17 minutes into the match. Things were really going uh, well, but it was back and forth. You know, because Tama would hit bloody Sunday. And uh, you know, you thought the match was over there, but you know, Takagi got out of that. Shingo hit a gun stun kinda after popping him up in the air. Then he hit a pumping bomb, but Tama kicked out. Less than a minute left on the clock, Shingo went for the slug, uh, you know, Shingo uh, went for the sliding lair, but Tama would get out of that. Last of the Dragon was countered with a gun stun towards the end there, but Shingo kicked out with about ten seconds left, but then Shingo tried to go for a pin there. Did not get it. We get a time. Uh, we get a time limit draw. In a very cool match, in my opinion, best probably the best match. Tama had this tournament. You know, other than like the storytelling of the David Finley match, I think this match with Shingo was a really well wrestled match for Tama. And also, I mean, just another performance for Shingo. What I've come to suspect from him, pretty much at this point, in Hiroshima on Wednesday. C Block on August second. Things are going to continue. Uh, with Shingo Takagi, will face David Finley in the main event. That's going to be a big-time match. Uh, you know, we'll you know we'll, the course of how things turn out in this block for Shingo and it, probably for everyone else because Finley is still in the lead. So this could help Tama. This could help Eddie Kingston out. All those people fighting for second place could get some help here if Shingo can pull off the, the victory. Uh, but if not, you know, David Finley could also establish himself at the top of the block. Eddie Kingston versus Tama Tonga. Again, fun match with uh, some stakes there, too, because of where they are in the point totals. You get Mikey Nichols and Evil. Uh, we'll see. Mikey Nichols say he's the devil. We'll see if Evil is ready to go to hell. I'm pretty sure he's uh, he's bringing Dick Togo with him, so uh, Mikey's going to have to be ready. And Hanara is going to fight Tomohiro Ishii. We try to get some revenge uh, for a beatdown that he took from uh, Ishii a while back. But to give you a point total to, uh, rundown, we have Evil and David Finley sitting at eight points. So, you know, they're sitting on the outside looking in. Right now we have Shingo Takagi at five. He's going to need to not only win against David Finley, but he's going to need some help if he wants to get in the top two spots. You got Tom Otome right there at seven right there behind him. Eddie Kingston is at six points, so he's in striking distance. And then you have Inare, Mikey Nichols, and Ishii at two points. So that's C-block going into uh, Wednesday night. Uh, so, yeah, man, uh, it's going to be a very, very important show. These next two shows, as far as August 1st and August 2nd, that I'll be talking about, oh, my goodness, man, they're, they're going to be really important when it comes to how things iron out in these blocks. But to get on with it, let's get to D-Block. And, uh, man, I just we're going to go ahead and get this out the way. <laughs> Who would have thought? That in the first match that we get, uh, the first match of this group, we get uh, undefeated Jeff Cobb. He's been dominant, beating the hell out of everyone. But it was something about fighting block leaders for Toriano. I know I say he doesn't belong. I know, you know, like I said, it's everyone's break match for the most part. But there's no way I thought he was gonna lose every match because he always does this every year. He screws someone over. It's usually late in the tournament like this. Jeff Cobb has been undefeated, but there's nothing he could do. With Yano here, even though he's usually really good against Yano, not this time though. Especially when he gets sanitized right in or disinfected spray right in the eyes, set up an inside cradle. That was pretty much it, man. You know, he started off with the shenanigans with the beer and the, the snacks and his tucked into his uh shirt, and I guess he took Cobb off his game from the very beginning. But uh, man, Yano, man, a very pivotal victory that could come back to help. Guys, uh, that we're talking about later on in this block, as I break down the table later, you'll see what I mean. But man, big victory for Yano, not so much for him in the future of this tournament, but like I said, just for what it does to Jeff Cobb's future right now. Not that anything is in question, he still, you know, has tiebreakers, he still, you know, is gonna be the top. But again, it's just, it's just a sucky time in here, and could that ruin his momentum and he fall? Out of it, he could. That could be possible. He could fall out of the top two slots just because he got on a losing streak or something like that. Now, I could be speaking way too far ahead of myself because Jeff has been great and he can continue he can get right back on it and still be one of the representatives when we talking about the block playoffs that that we're gonna be kind of going through. But with all that being said, it's still no one wants to lose this late after going undefeated so far, and then no one wants to lose the yano of all people too. But anyway. Alex Coughlin, uh, but many people have. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I know I talk, I talk about him, and if you're not used to watching Yano, if you've only seen a little bit of him, he, he does come out. It's like a joke. But I'm trying to tell you, many people, many greats, have choked in that situation against uh, Toriyano. So Jeff Cobb should not feel too bad, but he definitely should feel bad. Alex Coughlin against Tetsuya Naito. We've seen Tetsuya Naito not take uh, you know a newer face in the tournament seriously last time, last time but he would not repeat that. Mistake here, uh, but again, Nigel doing like he always does, trying to irritate his opponent. You know, uh, he evaded at contact, making, you know, Coughlin trying to come to him, but Coughlin too strong, hit him with a away slam to kind of pick things up to start off. And then again, with his incredible strength, uh, Coughlin just showcased what makes him so special. You know, that gut wrench uh, suplex that he kind of did on the outside, I mean, he had the upper hand, man, before Naito finally hit him with a neckbreaker. We all know when it comes to Naito, he's going to work their neck, he's going to work their head to try to set you up for Destino. Uh, Of course, like I said, Coughlin's power was a lot to overcome, uh, but Naito had growing momentum. He had the people on his side, the Tornado DDT, and turned into a powerbomb, by the way, was awesome uh, that Coughlin did, Uh, and a boss man slam, and he did a nice lariat. That thought made you know that could have put Naito in doubt, but I just knew Naito would not lose twice in a row in this situation, he just couldn't afford it. And you know, it just would be messed up if he found a way to lose to not, you know, not just even mention that they're foreigners, but to lose two uh, two newcomers in a row to the G1. I just knew it wasn't going to happen. He reversed the jackhammer into a short Destino, which led into the regular Destino later on. To finish the victory, and you know now he's three and two, uh, and yeah, man, uh, Naito really needed this victory. But I thought it was a really cool showing for Tom. I mean, I'm called Tom Coughlin. Why do I want to do that so much? Because I'm watching too much American football, <laughs> thinking about the old ass head coach Alex Coughlin would smash Tom Coughlin's old ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> maybe maybe if they both in the... Well, I don't even know if Tom Coughlin won't beef with him in his physical prime. That's how uh, awesome of an athlete Alex is. But anyway, on to the next one. Another very fantastic contest with a great showing. Like I mentioned, I just mentioned the newcomer not really wanting to lose two in a row. With well, who he lost to last time, it was Shane And He was taking on his fellow TMDK member, Zach Sabre Jr., in a very nice technical match. But also... Even after uh, things were pretty technical and they were doing good, Shane brought the physicality, man. He gave him a nice stiff kick, you know, very uh, tougher than even I think Shane anticipated, saying, you know, uh, it was force of habit, but he, he continued to kick him. So uh, I think Zach after the match made sure to call Shane a piece of shit for the way he, <laughs> he tried to wrestle here. But again, no hard feelings as the match ramped up. It was a nice uh, physical contest with some really solid wrestling. Uh, you know, a beautiful uh, drop drop kick that came out of nowhere. You don't really look. You don't really look for that from Zach, but he hit him with a nice one. Uh, you know, he hit him with the neck twist that we love so much, and of course, he regained control. Uh, even though Shane Hayes would eventually hit a nice Falcon Arrow, uh, and it again, like I said, started off with a nice classical hold of, ex- uh, of uh, nice classical exchange of holds. Uh, that you know, they were really doing a great job of just. You know they clasped each other open-handed in the ring and all of that but again the pk out of nowhere hit the score for saber but then haste would respond with a nice dy- uh, dynamic bomb but uh you know saber counted a uh, charging haste into a nice admission but after he got to the ropes you know stretched him out nicely i thought it was going to be over there but uh you know again heist uh hey heist haste went for the uh bomb valley depth but it did not work out in his favor Zach countered that into, the, uh, into a nice triangle. But, again, Zach, I mean, face was able to transition out of that. But then, of course, Zach being crafty, as always, with the European clutch, uh, put a nice pin uh, to get eight points for Zach Sabre Jr. Uh, you know, even though they got a little physical, I think it was all love and respect after that. So you'd love to see that beautiful uh, contest for uh, two teammates here uh, in the D block. And to, for the main event of D block, we had Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Haruki Godo. And, we, you know, at this point, you know, Godo and Tanahashi are long-time foes, man. Even with Godo's ribs, he's going to always bring it to try to take out Tanahashi. And, uh, you know, this is a, a pretty solid contest for two guys who know each other so well. You know, of course, we got all the bells and whistles, the twists and shout, you know, the uh, the... The dragon screws from Tanahashi, stuff that we're used to seeing when it comes to uh, Tanahashi's match. And even, uh, you know, stomps to the ribs. You know, Tanahashi was very aggressive. You could tell he really wanted these points, but Goto fought back, you know, taking out the knee, uh, hitting Miramasa in the corner, and then a wild lariat on the floor. And then again, uh, you know, uh, Godo went to the top, which again, why, why would he do that? I, I knew it wasn't going to work out for him, really. Uh, he's joined by the ace. Uh, but then again, a uh, top rope dragon screw, a beautifully uh, timed move again. Uh, Tanahashi always has beautiful timing with his dragon screws that kind of made them, make them lethal with the way he uses them. The sling bag I mean, sling blade out of nowhere with a straight jacket, German suplex, but a kick out after that, after two. High fly flow would miss, which always looks like shit. I mean, like, oh my God, when Tanahashi hits the mat, I'm always like, damn. He, I mean, because he, he's the thing is about a Tanahashi match, unless it's like a shorter match, he's going to miss one or go on to the knees at least once before he actually gets a chance to finish it or something. So it's like, it's almost guaranteed. But it's like, every time I see him do it now, I'm like, damn, I know that hurt. You know, but again, Goto. Uh, after going with the Ushikuroshi, did not get the uh, pin. Oh, and the GTW, but again, did not get the pin. Uh, for some reason, Goto thought it was a good idea to try to go for the Sholton Kai. And if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like a finisher. I've seen Sonya Deville and WWE use once or something. I don't know if she even uses it anymore. But it's like a a, a suplex kind of turned into a Yurinagi type of move. But the Sholton Kai is its proper name. Goto used to finish people with it before he started doing the GTR. Uh, But, again, he tried it with those hurt ribs. Did not work at all. Uh, But, you know, whether it was a botch or whether he was selling the ribs, I think it worked nonetheless because of the sling blade. And then now Tanahashi is up again. High fly attack and then the high fly flow in his classic sequence that we've all come to love. And there you go. Tanahashi finally uh, picks up – well, not really finally, but he picks up a pretty small win because he's doing pretty good. He's got six points. Been on a nice roll here towards the end here of this tournament uh, when it comes to Tanahashi, uh, but yeah, everyone like I said has two more dates left with their with their next opponent, and you know so I'm looking forward to see what happens and how these blocks iron out. Uh, D block continues in Hiroshima on Wednesday, like I said, Tanahashi will face the young Alex Coughlin. We got a little Eric guitar at the end of this show. Will I, I don't he won't be main inventing the next one, but will we? We'll, you know, let's just all celebrate an our guitar. We're never talking how she wins. Will we get another guitar uh, in the next show? We'll see. Very important matchup between Tetsuya Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. If you guys know, as a big Naito fan, somebody who respects and loves Zack too, those guys always go at it. Will we see a Zack Sabre Jr. temper tantrum? Or will Naito get, you know, hopefully not injured, but will he be forced to submit? Or will he get, you know, bested by Zack Sabre Jr. as he has in the past? Or, you know, Jeff Cobb, Haruki Goto, very important now after that loss to Yano. Can Jeff Cobb get back on the right track? Will Goto's ribs really even allow him to have a chance? And then Shane Hayes versus Yano. it's going to be a hilarious match. That's the best thing I can say about that because I, I think both guys, personality-wise, is hilarious. So, yeah, man, that's, the, that's what we have so far. And, yeah, I cannot wait to talk about August 1st and August 2nd. Speaking of August 1st, uh, the first match of the night, was Big Man Hikaleo versus Kaito kiyomiya and again kiyomiya started off attacking the base, being a smart uh, opponent of the big bigger man. Uh, like I like I mentioned when Ren fought him, and when Yoda know, Suji got pretty much the best match of uh, Hikaleo's tournament and probably his career for me. Uh, out of him, I thought that's the way you have to do it. You have to attack those legs, and he started off pretty smart. The North representative was on the back foot, though, because of the strength and dropping, uh, you know, and uh, Hikoleo dropping him on the guardrail outside. Uh, and then, but Kaito did a drop kick to the knee, bring him down, uh, and cut him down the size. Again, coming, you know, doing doing the smart thing at the beginning of the match. Uh, Kaito maintained control for a while here, so it seemed like Kaito was going to work himself to the victory. But again, chops, then a a nice clothesline from the big fella, uh, which led to Kaito fighting, firing back with a dragon screw again, working the leg, and he put him in the figure four leg lock. Uh, But you know, uh, and a tiger suplex, you know, barrage of elbows, nice offense from uh, Kaito throughout. To again, seemingly be in control, but he could let a an attempt at the modified tiger driver and immediately went for his choke slam, but Kaito countered that with a nice hurricane hurricanrana, that foreclosed fall. And the crowd really started to kind of get into it around this point as the match was winding down. But a snap power slam, and then Hikaleo may uh, finally hit the godsend, And out of nowhere, kinda he takes out Kaito Kiyomiya in a, in a tough match for uh, Kaito again. Hikaleo been on a run now after starting off the tournament. 0-3, oh, he's really, really looked better as the tournament continued on. I have to give him his props uh, to, to see that improvement. Also, again, uh, I mean, I guess maybe I'm a little old school in the mind when it comes to working across with promotions. you, you think some politics would make Kaito uh, perform uh, even better, but I, I honestly don't think it's that big of a deal or Uh, Or I don't think it's like disrespectful to say he lost to Hikuleo at this stage, and I don't think is building something, but he's huge, and I think uh, watching Kaito try to battle it, as not watching everyone so far in this block try to battle against that size and strength, has been pretty interesting. Even if uh, I think this is right up here, probably right behind Yoda Suji's match with uh, Hikuleo. I thought it was a pretty good contest, but again, I really love to see. Uh, where Hikaleo is at right now. He seemed to be improving as the tournament went on. And I think he had a pretty good match here with Kaito. And uh, uh wasn't the result that I'm sure Kaito was looking for. But uh, it was definitely a, a cool match. And I didn't have a problem with the the end goal. Especially, you know, this is going to be the last time I think A and B block will be joint in in, in this format. There, You know, the next time it will be, I think, a, a pretty much a complete A block type of deal. Uh, so... We'll see how those matches turn out and how those, how that card turns out then. But uh, a really strong finish so far for Hikaleo in the block. And now he has a chance to possibly be in that second spot, I think, with uh, Sonata. As I talk about the block, how the block is rounding up in a second. Uh, Chase Owens headed into his match. Not not in the tournament anymore. Uh, uh, but, you know, again, uh, Renderita also not really having much of a chance. But he needed to win here. Narita lost here. Again, it was definitely going to be over. He, but he only had a slim chance anyway of, of making it to the final eight. Uh, but anyway, it was, uh, again, nice, irritating again, the young fella. on showing his confidence going against uh, someone younger. And I, I have to give Chase Owens props here. The internet hates Chase Owens matches. Again, I like to say that I don't – I can understand them. They're not really uh, – I mean, I'm not going to say that something's anything in particular wrong with them to me. But they are kind of basic, I guess, if you're thinking about what you're used to uh, from New Japan. But I think every now and then you can get you can get a banger out of Chase Owens, man. I've seen it. And uh, I think uh, this was uh, not – I wouldn't call this a banger, but he did do a really good job of uh, getting Ren Narita over or at least making Ren Narita look good here. You know, uh, Narita hitting that nice heel kick throughout the match and a half-hatch, but not stopping Owens as Owens always went back – to crashing dropping you know uh reading the read on his neck obviously uh slate uh setting up the package pile drive i really love the delayed you know trying to go for it it was a nice spot there where he just kind of kept going for the package pile drive because we all know at this point uh that if he get if he hits you with that it's pretty much over uh but it was a nice counter uh for the jewel heist after it looked like Chase was going to try to take everything, take advantage of an opening that he had after trying to go for the uh, package power driver twice. Went for the jewel heist, heist, but it was countered perfectly into a cobra twist. And, you know, Owens ev- eventually having to tap out as N- Wendorita finally gets, uh, you know, a, a, a good win after pretty much having a rough go of it when it comes to in, in the W department. Uh, but, you know, again, strong, strong performance from Ren to Rita to finally pull it off. And I, I really like what Chase Owens uh, was able to do for Ren, you know, finally getting a, a really consistent or an overall uh, – a good overall match from, uh, you know, from Ren the Rita. And I think Chase Owens did a good job of making him look good. Uh, I thought the next match, I thought it was very clever that they told Gabriel Kidd you have to come out first <laughs> instead of uh, allowing him to get the upper hand on whoever he's fighting. And attacking him from behind by coming out second. But it didn't stop anything. As Sonata foolishly turned his back on uh, Gabriel Kidd. I guess not taking him that seriously as he should have. As Gabriel Kidd still was able to kind of get the upper hand in the beginning. By t- beating him down on the floor. And taking him through the crowd. And just launching himself at Sonata at times. Again, if there's anything I really love about Gabriel Kidd. It makes him my favorite. Uh, War Dog member right now is the fact that he gives off unhinged better than anyone. He is absolutely unhinged. I believe it. You know, and I think that's the thing. You know, sometimes you see people even in New Japan playing a character and you wonder what's real. Like, even with Finley. I love Finley, but I don't necessarily know how I think this tough man gimmick really is to who he is. But Gabriel Kid, absolutely he looks like he has a... He talks like he has a screw loose. He wrestles like he has a screw loose. He looks like he has a screw loose. So, it works really perfectly, honestly, with everything. Everything about him in this G1 has been great. The presentation... I really thought it was a cool cool moment when he had the IWGP world title on his shoulder, even though he immediately insulted it. I love Naito. Naito used to throw the IC belt around like it was garbage, so I obviously have a thing for people who insult titles in New Japan. But, yeah, man, I just like the way, again, top heel energy is all I get from Gabriel Kidd. He's definitely going to be someone, If depending on how long he sticks around, in, you know, going on tours in Japan, he's going to be a guy who's, on top of bullet club I believe or on top of new Japan honestly as a as a as a foreigner at some point just that just seemed to be his trajectory the way he uh fought here against the world champion was really cool uh the, the crowd was really into a uh, sonata you know he, he gave a plancha. uh you know and he, he made sonata get down and dirty with him fight on the floor and do things that you don't really see sonata have to do I think he was kind of pissed off and I think that's the. I love that that's what you have to bring out to be a Gabriel kid. You know, you have to be able to go down low. You know what I'm saying? And uh, speaking of low, a kid did hit Sonata with a low blow and then did a spinning tombstone for a near fall. But, you know, he even tried to go for a mood assault, which. Definitely um, made Gabriel Kidd look arrogant, which fits perfectly with everything he's been doing. That ended up costing him uh, uh, tremendously. He missed the moonsault, as you would predict, and he did not uh, win the match. Uh, accidental low blow, by the way, or I guess you could, I guess maybe whether the accident was not uh, when Sonata... <laughs> Had to give him going back to Gabriel. It was a receipt, I guess, is one best way to look at it. After what uh, Gabriel had put him through at that point, but again, showing that showing that he had to kind of go there, go to that go to that dark side to stick with Gabriel Kidd. because again, that's what Gabriel Kidd brings out of you as an opponent. You seen what he did with Kaito. He's going to piss you off because that's he's just an irritant. Everything about him is very irritating, but he eventually hits he hits a. Uh, a uh, shining wizard and a dead fall to stay undefeated. I think Sonata's is probably going to finish everything perfect. He's just like he guaranteed he would. We'll see how the final eight goes for him, uh, or the elite eight is to kind of get it to mark to, to compare it to what we have in March Madness. We'll see how that goes for him because he's definitely already advanced and I think he will continue on. I think Chase is next for him or something like that. Uh, but uh, to, before I go there, before I tell you what's next. Let's get to the last match, which is absolutely uh, one of my probably my favorite match of uh, August first, which was Yoda Suji versus Shota Umino. An unbelievable match from two guys who, I, you know, for a second there, it made me think we were gonna get another draw from from Three Musketeers, but I was kind of glad that we finally got something, uh, you know, more of a dominant style type of uh, not really a dominant match because it was definitely back and forth the entire time. It was good that we got a definitive finish. That's what I wanted to say. And someone actually went over here, but it's, man that I can't really do this match justice. They did a lot of great things to each other in this match. And it was just, you got a chance to see all the bells and whistles, you know, you got to see a, their heart as they kicked out of moves that you probably wouldn't expect them to. And you got a chance to see, you know, what they all bring to the table uh what sh- what what makes suji special what makes shota umino uh someone to to be reckoned with you know and the reason why they're both going to be on top of the you know new japan food chain for years to come and i think this match was really cool and i think so far people are pointing out that they might they all going to have you know uh uh you know feats that kind of plays into what's been going on so far. One feet so far is going to be, uh, you know, the three musketeers will all have something to kind of go from, grow from here. That would be this victory right here for Yoda Suji, as he did pull it out eventually in nice dramatic fashion. Uh, you know, I did notice during the match that because of the Moxley influence and the fact that Shota Umino does do a sliding drop kick, kind of like Roman used to. You know, I think he still pulls it out from time to time. Uh, and then you have the self Rollins effect with the curb stomp that uh, Yoda Suji does. And then you have a spear that that finished the match, uh, which was a nice kind of like older, out of nowhere kind of fashion that uh, Suji brought with this one. Uh, but honestly, uh, it was kind of cool when you think about it. Like I said, Sonata face chase next, off. Uh, will uh will face Shota Umino next. Kaito will take on Narita and, and then Suji face Gabe Kid. So you know that's gonna be fun and physical as uh as the blocks w- uh, are done there, and uh as a block will be complete there. And I just also want to talk about again, like I said, it's kind of funny that those two guys put moves together from the Shield. I don't know if they did. I don't know if that's just their influences. I mean, I know Moxley's influence of. You know, to Umino, but it's kind of cool that if you put him in what Suji does with the spear and the curb stomp together, that's pretty much what that's pretty much the shields all their signature moves or at least a good bit of it. So it's pretty cool to think about that to watch that in person. But I seen something on Twitter that interested me, and I just want to say so. They say Yotsu Suji gonna be the only one to beat the Musketeer. And so far. That 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 is that. I mean, honestly, that's gonna be the result. That's done. Can't change that one. But will Shooter be the uh, the only one? They said it would be likely. They, but will he be the only one to beat Hikaleo, which is crazy, but it makes sense, honestly, with the way Hikaleo's been fighting as of late, for him to be a feat of uh, over of something to overcome. Can Shota be the one to beat him? And will Rin be the only one that beat Kaito? So, yeah, man, this is going to be an interesting way to wrap things up. But right now, as things sit, we have Sonata at the very, very top, 12 points. We have Shota Umino at 6, Kaito at 6. Uh, Hikaleo at six. So again, that's that's pretty much your, your who's tied for second place right now. Ren Narita, uh, if he can pull off a victory and he gets some help and a lot and other people lose, maybe he could he could sneak in the second place with six. Uh, but he's gonna have to help himself out. He has four points. Chase Owens also has four points. And Yoda Suji and Gabe Kid both sit at five. They also have an outside shot of getting that second place spot. So. We'll have to see what how things turn out for those guys and how it turns out in A Block. Who's gonna get second place is what we're at in both of these blocks. But we'll talk about B Block now, and so you can understand uh what's going on here. Uh, so not a lot of uh, a solid action here, but a, a couple of surprises. Maybe at least one big surprise here. Uh you know, I don't know. One of one of my surprises might not been as much of a surprise, but the, the other one was definitely a surprise. So let's get into it. We had first uh, first B-block match with Yoshihashi versus Great Okan. He was in a must-win scenario. Uh, they did a good job starting off with grappling as Okan tends to do. Uh, but Khan gains an advantage with, uh, you know, the head and arm blood tro- uh, choke, where he just basically uh, put try almost put Yoshihashi out, but he kept control over the match even after that. But again, uh, you know Yoshashi doing like he always do. Fight back uses the headhunter. Uh, he also got a basement drop kick, slow down the Ocon, and a chop into the corner eventually. Uh, for a nice strike combination. but again, uh, Hercules Cutter from, uh, or neck breaker is what they was like to is what, is what it basically was. But it was, I think they call it the Hercules Cutter from Ocon. Very nice way to kind of uh, set things, uh, sh- shut things down for Yoshihashi. Yoshihashi hit a DDT, though, to kind of get his way out of the Eliminator. The crowd came alive after, you know, Yoshihashi just kept fighting back against all odds. Of a nice lariat from Yoshihashi. Again, I, wrote, I tweeted this out. Another day goes by, and another Yoshihashi banger. I don't know what the hell Yoshihashi was gotten into him. I don't know what he drinks before his matches these days, but they are all always entertaining as hell. He had a great uh, moment there where he basically got 2.9, where it looked like he had a chance and he was going to go for karma. But, again, went right into the iron sleeper from Ocon, and then a nice pop-up eliminator gave Gary great Ocon, the long-awaited second win. He's been sitting on two points for a while. So, again, nice stuff from the great Ocon there. And, yeah, man, I cannot wait to see how things turn out in the, for the rest of the tournament for those two guys even though I don't think uh now Yoshihashi loses neither neither guy has a chance now to get second place in B block going nextly uh, a guy who uh, two guys that still had a shot here uh, for second chance and I think Tachi needs help maybe he still has a shot but I think this loss here may have cost him here yes I did just say it. El Fantasmo and was in a must win here against Tachi and even though they had mutual respect at the beginning, even though ELP was definitely shocked that Tai Chi uh, was not really singing, or at least it, seen, it appeared that way. Maybe it was Magic, and maybe he really was singing. Who knows? Uh, but uh, it was a, a really, really cool match here, man, as things went on. as ELP tried to use his quickness to have a chance, you know, did his plancha, uh, and, uh but eventually he ran right into a dangerous uh, backdrop suplex. Uh, and Chi really uh, took charge there, uh, hit him with a couple kick, kind of taking advantage of the uh, the injuries that ELP has accumulated over the time uh, in this tournament. But Fantasmo started to build steam after a second rope elbow. Uh, but, again, uh, Takamatsu uh, was was really pumped up after Chi kind of stifled him at that point. Uh, he seemed to be always ahead of Fantasmo, even though – Phantasma was fighting through a pain. Nice burning hammer eventually. Uh, uh, but again, after that, he tried to go for sudden death. Did not work out for him. Nice axe bomber, lariat to get the crowd going even even more. But ELP just kept kicking out, would not stay down. And, you know, eventually he, uh, he almost stole one with a, a Tai Chi-style Gato clutch. Tai Chi got out. But again, after sudden death, and he hit another Gato clutch or Tai Chi clutch. And there you go, man. Uh he surprised Tai Chi. But uh and I, like I said, they were, that was such a solid match and I don't even think they scratched the surface of how good it actually can be. That I would love to see some KOPW down the line if uh, if that's where they choose to go after this. Uh but man, uh maybe that was a surprise. I, I did think it was a surprise to me because of the way Tai Chi was wrestling. Not that Tai Chi isn't always susceptible to losing or that ELP didn't deserve the win, but it's just more so just again, kinda shocking when you think about it and uh when you think about like again how good Tai Chi had been doing and then also when you think about what's been going on with ELP throughout this one, he has been tough, he's been fighting through some neck pain, next stuff, but he still has a shot. And this next match right here, Tonga Loa versus Will Ospreay, really would uh, help because if Osprey won, then it didn't, you know, ELP's next match against Osprey don't really matter at all. But since uh, this match turned out the way it did, now we have a winner-takes-all situation. Uh, you know, Will Ospreay thought that uh, he only needed a draw, basically. And it wasn't that. he Definitely, that's all he needed. Wasn't that he thought that he's all he needed was a draw to, to still advance. He'd be guaranteed. He was at the top of this block as things started off, but you know, Lawer surprised him. Man, his power Osprey mentioned after the match. There's nothing he can do about Tonga Lawer's power. He just was overmatched in that regard. And man, Tonga Lawer was really moving with purpose and efficiency. He used his speed, nice uh, kind of like Three amigo style suplexes into a jackhammer. Uh, you know, Osprey was in bad shape really for uh, a good chunk of this match until he started to kind of bring things together. He wanted to go for the Stormbreaker, but that just would not land. And I think if you watch this match, you can kind of tell this was not going the way a lot of Osprey's positive performances go. But usually a hook kick like he did hit at some point or something like that would get him going, but he still couldn't get the Stormbreaker. Tungalore hit him with a five Thunderbomb. Uh, both of them kind of reset it after that, but Ospreay gained an advantage in a stand-up for the first time after that, but then a big swing from Lowell, really tough shot, and a lariat, got two count, and uh, Ospreay did counter the ape shit into a slum, a, a slum dog or a stun dog millionaire. Then he hit an offcutter for two, but he missed the leap of faith, and that was really when I was like, okay, this is going to be tough, but Lowell did go outside of the ring, then you saw Ospreay hit a plancha. Uh, but again, right as he was jumping, right as he was in this dive, right there, man, was Tonga Lord with a nice right hand, dropped them. Both men on the floor with Osprey trying to go for an os cut over the guard, where But he just got through. Like they they wrote flung here, which is a great description. He definitely just got flung right into the front row, <laughs> into the chairs, basically. No, uh, it was tough, man. And then again, uh. Law kind of followed him for a second there, but then kind of waited for him, went back to the ropes. And just, you could tell, this is the thing about this match. You know, some people may hate the fact that Law was able to beat Will Ospreay here, but he did not beat him really, like, in a way that he was trying to beat him. He played defense, and I think Osprey even mentioned it's like, you know, you just kind of give kudos for that style because it wasn't really what anyone was expecting. You know, he wasn't trying to go in there and pin him. He really was just trying to get the two points. And that's exactly what he did by spearing Osprey once more as the count was getting close to 20 and he rolls in. And, yes, the upset that will make Osprey in ELP mean so much more. Man, 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 what a match. Uh, and what a result! I think I was just more shocked than anything. A lot of people have a lot to say about the quality of a lot of these matches throughout A and B block or throughout C and D. I think C and D getting more getting killed more than uh anything right now in the G1. And I've been enjoying the G1. I've been covering it, so maybe I'm different. I think maybe I th- some people were definitely making great points that die-hard fans or people who really are into the new. Japan, I mean, really into New Japan, maybe enjoying this G1 while others who, you know want a certain style or are used to just constant bangers. Cause again, I think this year with the twenty minute time limit, those drawn out super duper next level contests is probably gonna be saved for these later on. I can't wait to see what happens in over the next few days because of that. But uh I don't think it's been such a bad thing in my opinion. Not not the fact that they slowed down, but I just don't see it being too much of a problem in general. It's been pretty solid to really good wrestling. And some matches were pretty special, in my opinion. But again, I am, you know, like you guys are, like some other people may not be, I am not a casual. I'm someone who watches New Japan pretty much year-round when I get a chance. So I'm really into every little thing. And uh, I really was uh, into this. Now, again, uh, I'm going to not really go into much detail about Kenta and Okada because as much as that, now I brought up my last point to point out that this match was not the most interesting match. And I don't know if it's because of the style Kenta wrestles. Like, Kenta is a guy who sometimes can be. That's the reason why I was really. I tweeted out before the match. What version of Kenta was we going to get? here, you know, because sometimes he go out there and he wants to do what he did with Osprey, And then sometimes he, you know, he does what he did here with Ocala and kind of sleepwalks through a a chunk of the match. But then we get towards the, the end there and he ramps it up and they get physical and you really get to see a little bit of what him and Ocala probably could do if uh, he wanted to go that hard the entire time. Now, again, I think injuries, I think a lot of things, pacing yourself just in general may have a lot to do with why Kenta wrestles that way sometimes. But honestly, I didn't have a problem with the match. I still thought it was solid stuff. But, you know, even when Kenta dominated most of the match, Okada is such an insurmountable, like, mountain of a, a of a opponent at this point. Where so it's like, did I really ever think Kenta was going to beat him? I, I'm not gonna be on. I'm not. I'm, I, I maybe I'm. All, I'm always secretly rooting for a nice upset. But when it comes to Kenta, man, unless he was gonna pull out all the stops, shenanigans wise here towards the end, which he didn't not at the end. He, it was a shenanigans, but again, a lot of the same kind of bells and whistles that Okada is usually able to overcome, and he did like as predictably. So you know, it was what it was. But not not a bad contest whatsoever. because uh, because Okada he is at the top. Of A block and now we have Osprey and El Phantasmo pretty much on the hunt behind Okada there. As uh ELP six at six, uh, six points with Loa and Tai Chi, but you know, like ELP has the victory over those guys. And you have Osprey at eight points. And then you have uh Okada, like I said, sitting on top of everyone else at ten. So, yeah, man, uh it was really it was Really interesting way for them to do things, do the things that they decide to do uh, here tonight. And uh, Tonga Loa will be fighting Okada. I don't think that Tonga Loa and Okada will be, uh, I don't think that'll be an issue. I don't necessarily see that being a problem. But, I mean, I guess we'll have to wait it out and, and really see how things go uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, this match. But, uh, you know... ELP and Osprey is definitely a match to watch here coming up. You know, that's the one that uh, was going to be really interesting on, uh, on the 6th, you know, August 6th. Who will win? I think that's in uh, Osaka. Who will win? Osprey versus ELP. I'm kind of torn. Again, Osprey is the best wrestler in the world. He's been that guy. And uh ELP's also had a uh, – I think he's one of the best, and if not just as good as Osprey. he can be to that level if, if – given the spotlight, given the chance. Now, again, Ospreay's been on another level for a long time, so I'm not trying to really compare him. But ELP has had a tough time beating Ospreay. Will he do it is the question. And, uh, again, so when you have that as the question, and then you have uh, Tai Chi against Okan. Don't really mean much now, but can Okan get 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 more points on the way out? You know, and then you have Kenta uh, against Yoshihashi. We know those guys just—they've been beat for a while. That should still be fun, but yeah, man, it's gonna be—it's gonna see. We can not can't wait to see how things turn out. Can't wait for August second, so we can continue to finish out these uh—you know—little joint shows, and then we can have—we're gonna have one night. There's a block. We're gonna have—I think the fifth will be a block, the sixth will be b block. I don't know if they're all going in four days in a row, but. Uh, yeah, so we got A block is uh, gonna have a night where they get to settle things, B block is to settle things, C block is to settle things, D block is to settle things, and then we go into the legitimate G1 finals where we get to see uh, how everyone uh, pull things out. I think it would be the final eight, basically, how the final eight shake out, and then we'll be done. So, I mean, I, again. Uh, I'm really looking forward to see what happens as we continue on in this tournament. As the time limit stretches on towards the finals, I think we'll get uh, better quality matches. Even though I understand all the criticism when it comes to like uh, you know some people phoning it in, not having the same intensity every night of the G1. You know some matches being much better than the others, and I think some matches are just stifled by the fact that they have to find a way to. Keep everyone interested for 20 minutes. You know, it's, it's a lot of the same, but there's also some, some creativity mustard in there. But I also love almost everything about New Japan. So, you know, I don't know. I might not be the one to ask. But I can't wait to see what happens on the next night. And here we are on August 2nd, the next night. Um, Mad Mikey Nichols taking on EVIL. You know, to basically kick everything off, off, off in C-Block. And, man, uh, it was, you know, as it, as it tends to be with Evil, it's always are uh, always fighting an uphill battle when you're fighting Evil. Evil and Dick Togo wasted no time in going after Nichols and uh, Kosei Fujita. I mean, of course, we know Evil uh, has a beef with Fujita because of the many times they have gotten. Uh, they've made Evil look like a damn fool, particularly when he's with Zack Sabre Jr., uh, but of course, Togo with a lot of involvement throughout the match, pulling on Nichols' heels at time during the match, and just getting involved. Uh, even you know, before, you know, the fight would spill into the crowd at some point, and then you have a lot of interference counts. Uh, a, a little a lot, uh, you know, you had a count out, and then you had a lot of interference attempts from the House of Torture. Uh, so you already know how they like to do things. Uh, but again. Uh, House of Torture just kept everything that they were always – kept it coming, you know, the referee and being involved. You know, Fujita was knocked down at one point, and that created a magic killer opportunity for them. Uh, but uh, Fujita would take advantage of the ref being down, inter- intervene, popped me really well because it was cool to see someone finally see Fujita or somebody just stand up to uh, House of Torture and stop their tactics. And, again, you get Evil who beat a lot of prominent people in his block, losing to Mikey Nichols here uh, with a nice uh, roll-up there to take advantage of it. Always fun when Evil doesn't get his way when we know uh, what Evil likes to do. So I uh, have no problem with that result. Really cool, but it, it, it is uh, ironic that Evil got thwarted by Mikey Nichols, even though he beat Eddie Kingston and, you know, and others like that earlier in the tournament. I didn't have a problem with it. solid stuff. Uh, again, always cool when evil does not get his way. Uh, fans got exactly what you would expect when it comes to Ishii and Hanari, man. They just were exchanging blows. Uh, you know, they were knocking each other down. Uh, you know, Ishii fired back with hard suplexes, stiff shots, of course. Hanari had a body blow and a berserker bomb. And it's just, again, from the very beginning, they really were trying to beat the hell out of each other. Hanari is a perfect fit. Ishii's style. He fits right in with that's reason why he have a great matches with Shingo. And again, another good match here with a guy like Ishii because that's just his style. He's perfect for that classic open weight or a strong, not strong, but I'm about to say strong, but never open weight championship back in the day when you know Makabe and a lot of the hard hitters were just on top of that division. You know, we go Uh Ishii, of course, uh, in that division beating the hell out of each other. I think Hanari fits right in. I would love to see him kind of restore the feeling to that championship. Not saying he needs to be David Finley now, but, you know, David Finley, he has a mean streak, but he is nowhere near that caliber of guy, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to just beating the hell out of people and just stiff shots and having those – Great matches. Uh, again, I know Ishii. in my opinion, can do this with anyone. And it's going to be a damn shame if this is his last G1 because not getting the results uh, that you would think or whatever. Maybe he feels like he can't do this at the same rate. But, you know, uh, man, I think Hanare shows great fire here, great fight. He escaped the uh, vertical drop brain twice. And then he uh, uh had a nice strike combo that set up the Streets of Rage. There, and Honari was victorious. Very cool match, man. Honari looked awesome. I think this was probably his best match of the tournament, even though it's probably close to his encounter with Shingo, to be more fair. But, man, it was really, really good. Uh, I really enjoyed this match. Uh, It's just thoroughly enjoyable. And next, another match that was... Uh, maybe in my mind, I thought it would be better than what it ended up being, but it was definitely a critical match for both guys when it comes to Tama Tonga and Eddie Kingston. Kingston took a uh, early advantage of, you know, hard chops, even though they, you know, they kind of just made Tama mad for the most part. And, you know, uh, Tama would fire back with a Superman elbow. Kingston would have a suplex after that. Uh, bear hug, but Tama created space with a slam and turned the match into his favor for a little bit. But then again, Eddie would throw his machine gun chops, shoulder tackle off the top rope, flying neck breakers tom Thomas build momentum until he missed the Supreme Flow. Uh, you know, again, they just kinda threw elbow shots, traded, exploded suplexes in a pretty good exchange. And uh, you know, Kingston took over at one point and just seemed like he wanted to turn it against Thomas. you know, using that back fist. Uh, but Thomas stopped it with the tongue and twist. But, uh, again, uh, he he still eventually would hit the spinning back fist. So it was the Northern Light Bombs, and it was uh, three for Eddie Kingston. You know, solid stuff. Uh, you know, again, a match that I probably thought was going to be a little bit more dramatic, a little bit more drawn out. Maybe after that fantastic draw with Shingo, uh, they didn't want to go as long with this one. Kind of, So it kinda, the finish kind of hit me all of a sudden. When it comes to Tama uh here, and I definitely didn't really think Tom would lose here, but I'm not really surprised or mad at it because again, you know Eddie probably lost a couple matches that you know no one really was expecting him to lose either, and uh, but I think he's been doing great in the tournament, even probably fighting through a lot of pain. But this is just he's been an awesome addition, and he fits right in in this block. And I thought him and Tama had a pretty solid match, even if I think it probably would could have been a little bit better. The main event, we had Shingo versus David Finley. And uh, again, this could guarantee Finley where he wants to be and also could have could have eliminated Shingo. Uh, but no, I uh, thought that Shingo really brought his A game here in this one. Uh, you know, Finley uh, tried to do a low blow. Again, not really, uh, Finley really, you know, tried to put him to a table. He actually did put him through a table ringside. Uh, it, you know, after failing to do it at points, uh, he eventually did get it. But that's my point. He really started to kind of show a little bit. Not to say it was Jay White, but I think he wasn't as confident that he could beat uh, Shingo as, let's say, like he fought Tom or like he fought some of these other people because uh, he really seemed to try to pull out all the stops and try to get an advantage over Shingo. And, of course, nonetheless, it was nothing that they could do. But he finally got the powerball through, uh, through the table, outside the ring, he had a blue Thunderbomb eventually. And a, a nice European uppercut countered into the Noshigami for uh, Shingo and a superplex at some point. Uh, but, again, Finlay was desperate, doing whatever he could, you know, to try to do what he could to get uh, an advantage, a dominator and all of that. And you think when we got past 15 that, that Finlay actually had this match, uh, uh, you know, for himself. But, again, uh the crowd kind of got behind Shingo, made in Japan, landed, and then, you know, uh, it just kind of let everything go uh, when it comes to Shingo showcasing his power, forearms to, this, to his opponent. And, uh, again, uh, he he seemed like a, a spear and a power bomb that he hit towards the end, Finley, was, was set up oblivion, but uh, Takagi would escape it. Last him them with a pump and bomber and then last of the dragon for basically the first distinct win really. I know he has points here and this is, was huge for Shingo getting him seven points time with Tomatonga. Right behind the leaders, evil, David Finley, and Eddie Kingston at eight points. And so we really C block is really, really close. We really can't come it's really gonna come down to this last night for C block, but I definitely want to highlight how uh You know, again, Shingo was winning matches, won a couple of them, closely contested. But he didn't. I don't even know if he hit last of the dragon until this one. Really, really cool match. He has a dream that you know he can take the belt from Sonata before we even get to uh, January, and then he would uh, fight Naito in January. I I don't know if that's going to be exactly how it play out, but I understand. I always am rooting for Shingo. It's a beautiful uh, victory for him and. I can't wait to see how things go, man, because he has evil, and evil can definitely cost him, or he could cost evil there because that's, you know, we, we right seven and eight points, and we'll see how that goes. Tama Tonga faces Honore, That could be important for Tama, but Tama's going to need help. Eddie Kingston and Dave Finley will be very important there. So it's going to be some very exciting matches on August 8th coming up in Yokohama, and Mikey Nichols will take on Ishii. That which would probably be a really uh, physical match, even though it doesn't have any bearing on where we go next. D-Block, August 2nd show uh, for the matches that they had in D-Block. We also had some dramatic uh, co- you know, a couple dragging a lot of shocks. I think this kind of set the tone here with Alex Coughlin and Tanahashi man. You know, honestly, I was really impressed with what Coughlin brought to the table here. It's probably his best showing in the uh, G1, even though I think he's been pretty. I think Jeff Cobb. The Jeff Cobb match is another really smooth showing, in my opinion. I really loved that one, showing off his strength against the bigger guy. Uh, Tanahashi would do everything he try. He could try flying forearms. You know, he hit a lot of the bells and whistles, and just you know. Uh, and honestly, I thought Tanahashi would 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 actually take take advantage and probably pull off and get another few points. But this is really gonna. Uh, this, one real, this loss really affected him because, again, like I said, a surprise victory from Coughlin after he tried to go for the aces high. You know, uh nice reversal into like a nice pin when Tana missed the aces high. And then he kind of transitioned right into a suplex for the jackhammer finish. Coughlin showing off great strength. And Tanahashi Hashi putting over Coughlin is awesome. But, yeah, man, this is really going to cost Tana Hashi in the long run, even though I do think it does wonders for Coughlin's resume going forward and, you know, just for his future, possibly in the tournament, Toriano and Shane Hayes. I said, I said the last time, uh, or on this very same podcast, I I expected this match to be very, very, uh, funny, or at least because, because again, I'm into, I'm into Shane Hayes' personality, but the match itself, other than maybe the bucket spot and Shane looking like a complete idiot, wasn't really that funny to me. It was just, you know, again, I don't want to say that Yano is running out of, you know, good joke with it. When you've watched as much Yano as I have, a lot of his tricks are definitely tough to, uh you know, thing. And another thing, too, Shane Hayes beat Naito. And it's just like, Naito always bests Yano. So for Yano to kind of uh get advantage of Shane Hayes here was, you know, it was what it was, but it wasn't the best. And uh, I've been way more excited or at least laughed more at other Yano moments other than the few moments that was in this one. Heroku Goto was in a must-win scenario against Jeff Cobb. And, you know, things were tough, man. You know, Jeff really was seemed like to be in, in control to the point to where I think that, that kind of cost him, you know. Uh, he was beating the hell out of Goto, And Godot was working hurt. And, but at the same time, you know, you would think that Jeff Cobb, and I guess knowing that he's working hurt, May have gave Jeff Cobb a little bit too overconfidence because his power and athleticism would allow him to do the spin cycle and do a standing moonsaw, putting Godo in danger. Uh, and then, you know, again, with Godo's uh, body being hurt, you know, he tried to do it with your road, but it did not work on the big fella. Uh, but, he did, uh, but again, he did eventually hit it again later on. Uh, it was a nice uh, moment here where you can just see it earlier in the match. Jeff Cobb was just so confident. Just was doing cocky pins. Knew he had this one. But Godo kept fighting with all he had. Hitting, uh you know, his old junior heavyweight favorite, the Kaiten, which is you know cold red, basically. And then he hit the GTR for three. Surprising everybody pulling out the Kaiten at this stage of his career. Just, again, letting you know that he really needed to pull out all the stops to still have a chance here in this block. Uh, he's going to need some help, but it was still a strong showing for a guy like goto and again i love a rookie goto he's awesome you know it's, it's kind of sad to me that jeff cobb is continuing to not be a great performer in these tournaments you know especially towards the end even if if he fails to advance or if he fails to not make the g1 finals this will not be the first time that g that jeff has dominated most of the g1 and then just failed at the end but we'll see what how this turns out for Jeff because he still was in a, a favorable favorable position because of all the tiebreakers that he had over Naito and Zack Saber Jr. But speaking of Naito and Zack Saber Jr., the deep the top build D block match was Naito versus Zack. Very crucial match here. Naito really needed this. We all know how much Hiroshima Hiroshima means to Naito's. Uh, definitely one of his. Uh, it, it, it is his adopted. Hometown, and after a good deal of grandstanding before, because you know how Naito yeah, he takes his time taking off his clothes, and then you get the signature pose at spot, you know, even though uh, Zach, again, I think these guys are just a match made in heaven, honestly, because of the the, the technical expertise, the way that you know Naito is, you know what Naito and Zach is going to do, but the way they do it, they, they tend to switch it up, and I think they really did a good job of mixing in a lot of the old favorite spots, but also adding a little uniqueness to it, like that neck breaker on the guard rail. You know, you know Naito's going to work the neck, but adding that guard rail to it and making it a little bit more impactful, again, just adds another layer. Zach worked on his arm, and, you know, really, really brutal spots at times. Nice arm breaker from Zach Sabre Jr. that forced Naito to keep working to try to get a rope break. Then he hit a uh, running Destino, just kind of out of nowhere, but then he got a, a Esperanza counter into a nice submission. And I can't even really – I don't even know what to call it, but he, it was a nice predicament that he left Naito in. But, again, after the 15-minute mark, the pace picked up. The crowd was really into it. Naito tried to go for a jackknife pin, but, you know, Zach would re- reverse it, then he would hit him with a PK. Sabre uh, also hit him with the Zach driver, uh, but, you know, not, did not get a chance to capitalize. And then after going for the Zach driver, eventually again, he got hit with a half-destino. And then as he went for the fuel version of the destino zack the zack driver you know landed so again it was really really cool how they kind of just kept going back and forth with each other time was ticking but zack landed the tornado ddt and uh again uh but then naito would hit him with valencia and then right after that, it seemed like naito was going to counter with a counter uh, zack move with a nice swinging ddt but again Instead of the DDT, he switched it into like an inside cradle to get advantage over uh, over Zack Sabre Jr. and Naito lives to fight another day. Fantastic match, and now Naito versus Tanahashi is going to be very very important uh, next week. We will get to see that result. Uh, so like again, Tanahashi needs help to get in, but Naito, man, if he wins this, he could usurp Zach Sabre Jr. and at least. Get second place depending on what happens to Jeff Cobb. Kyle. Jeff Cobb faces Shane Hayes. Could Shane Hayes upset him like he did Naito and help out Zack Saber Jr. and uh, Tetsuya Naito? We will see Toriano versus Alex, Alex Coughlin. No, no bearing on the way of the uh, on the end of the block or the totals or anything, but still should be uh, fun to watch Coughlin figure out Yano. Hopefully he beats Yano. Uh, we'll see what, how that turns out. And Haruki Goto versus Zack Saber Jr will be also on their card. Like I said, important because they are all in striking distance. As you can see, C and D block uh, have been really close. And uh, I can't wait to see how things shake out overall, man. It's just It's been a really cool tournament. It has its ups and downs. Some matches are better than others. But I do think August 2nd was a very strong card. And, uh, yeah, man, I can't wait to see how these block, these individual blocks Iron out, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how things go on Saturday on the 5th. And then you got the 6th is where we get B block. then you got, uh, I think we'll get uh, C block on August 8th and D block on August 9th. Then we'll get the 10th, the 12th and 13th. And that'll be it. We'll be done with the G1. We've done a great job so far sticking with me and keeping up. Uh, If you don't really care about New Japan or anything or the G1, I apologize, honestly. (laughs) Because this has just been uh, been an awesome way for me to keep up with it and just do my best to uh, give you guys my take on everything. This will be the longest podcast that I uh, have had the ability to do. I don't think I'm going to put every block uh, situation together. Uh, Definitely going to do one for uh, A and B, and then probably going to do another one again. Uh, I think the thing is I may have to do another three-parter like this for uh after C and D blocking then for the uh the match that sets up the quarter, the quarter or the semifinals. I don't know, I don't know how that works. I never really was good at that. <laughs> but either way I go we'll see. I'll do my best, maybe even upload a little bit uh, maybe some shorter daily podcasts if I have to, just to keep up with everything towards the end here. But yeah man I'm very proud of even keeping up to this point. I can't wait to see what continues happening and who is going to win the g1 will sonata will uh, continue uh on on his run and stay undefeated will we have uh you know okada win it for the third time in a row will osprey do it you know who is going to win the g1 and earn a shot at sonata at the at wrestle kingdom and uh yeah man uh i can't wait to see how things play out it's been cool if you uh if you've been keeping up with the show thank you for that at my monthly pod And, uh, yeah, man, I'll do my best to get right back to you guys after the next show. See you next time. Adios.